Hi, I'm Aaron, and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, a podcast all about, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I will be interviewing artists and exploring the genre I love. My hope is that you will begin to love it as much as I do, if not more. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming podcast news. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. Uh, we've got uh, a really great guest on today, Lex Leosis. So if you haven't heard of Lex, she is actually part of also the sorority crew who also featured someone else on this podcast via Mighty and with Keisha Fresh as well. But uh, Lex, uh, hailing from Canada, I think you're now in LA, is that right? Uh, no, I'm back in Toronto, pandemic style. <laughs> okay, so you ran away like everybody else. I think everybody's just gone back to their hometowns. That's right, that's right. <laughs> well, it, as, I, as I was saying, if you haven't heard of Lex Leosis, she's coming out with some absolute bars. You recently released a, uh, released Wanted as well, one of your most recent singles, um, you've got a bunch of tracks. You've also got a couple of EPs that that came out as well. So it's not mm. like you're you're missing bars, and you're also quite active on IG and TikTok. So there's definitely lots of content for your fans. Absolutely, yeah. The TikTok stuff is all brand new. Just I figured I'd do something to kind of compensate for the fact that I couldn't do shows. Um, just put myself in front of new people and. You know, us rappers, we're always trying to rap in front of someone <laughs> trying to get on a mic. So um, TikTok has been a really cool way to like collaborate and get that show energy um, without having to leave my house, obviously, and be pandemic safe. Definitely. Well, I was going to ask, because being a rapper on TikTok, like part of being a rapper is like you feel the vibe of the crowd. How is it <laughs> being like by yourself and you're actually like having to amp yourself up? Yeah. I mean, I have energy, enough energy for like four people, probably. <laughs> I'm always just bursting with it. So I can definitely be my own hype man, but I've been doing the duet feature, um, which incorporates another artist's work in some way or form, like a beatboxer or a producer. Um, so just kind of even through the phone, just being able to get some of their energy and, and uh, kind of tack onto their work has been really cool exchange for me that I used to do these like competitions in the YouTube era days um, when there used to be like a lot of hip hop freestyle competitions on YouTube when things were getting hot. So I haven't done it in a while and it feels really good to be back, but yeah, just pumping myself up with energy, but also it feels good to collaborate with people. Like for me, collaboration holds a huge energy source. So I haven't been able to do that in person, but just getting a little feel for that on TikTok has been really nice. So you're not a stranger to the online game. Like for me personally, like I'd have to like get people around me behind, like the scenes before <laughs> would have to be like hyping me up and then you would just see me go for it. But yeah, I think it's it's so cool with the era that we're in, obviously the technology and how easy it is to put out content. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I didn't, TikTok for me was, I think for anyone who's like older, I'm in my late 20s. And so I think for everyone, TikTok kind of hit the like younger generation first. And then so all my little cousins and everyone I had who were on it doing the dances. And I was just like, oh, TikTok's not a place for, for these like freestyles or whatever. And then during the pandemic, I just saw a shift in, in my generation's uh, kind of, I guess, 
interest in TikTok and them putting it on that platform. And then I realized with their algorithm, how beneficial it is for musicians to be on that app. Um, and now, now things have just been soaring. Like I have almost 13,000 followers on there and, um, I have one of my videos almost hit like a million views and like, just to be able before you'd be like, just hoping to get like a hundred Instagram followers or something like that, you know? And now it's just like, you can easily get like 5,000 new followers in a day if a video goes like semi-viral. Yeah, because I'm also in my uh, mid to late 20s. So I, mm. I 100% agree. Like my young cousins who are like between eight and like five, like they got yeah. on it before I got on it and they were like, oh, check this app out. And you can do it. I'm like, pass. Why, Why do I need yeah, to yeah. dancing? That's not, yeah. I'm not in that stage of my life where I need to do that. Right, but, right. But then you got to jump on the trend, I guess. Like we're all seeing that, you know, now people are actually making it really successful. You've got like TikTok famous, which is so weird to me. I remember YouTube I famous and now TikTok right. famous. And like, uh, like, it's just crazy to me. It's like the next evolution of, of like, and it's so addictive. God, it's so. Addictive. Yeah. Oh, and once the algorithm starts, I was telling my roommate, like, if you're going to get the app, just know they're going to spend so much time on it because once the algorithm starts figuring out what you want to watch, it's like a, a black hole of just like time wasted. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh man, for me, I'm like getting all these wrapping videos and all these like cooking, like everything I'm interested in. I could spend easily an hour without blinking, just scrolling like that. It's so dangerous. Especially when you're waiting for one of your videos to upload. Like you got to wait on, they, they got you really good. I reckon they could definitely do that faster, but they like, you know, they bait you in. You got to watch videos while you're waiting for it to right. upload. Right. I know it's so, it's, it's so genius. And the people at TikTok, um, I know, like, especially in the Toronto group that I know, uh, are are such cool creatives like the people that they're hiring now to run the back end of TikTok are like some of my favorite people in the world and just knowing that there's part of like hip-hop culture being represented and like like real music culture being represented on that app is is so interesting to me and uh, I think I'm seeing the shift and I, I definitely feel a little bit stupid for waiting so long too you know I'm glad I did when I did but it was just like man why as soon as I started uploading I was like, why haven't I been on this app? <laughs> yeah, I like, think that was everybody. Is... Literally yeah. everybody was like, oh, I, I could have yeah. done faster. <laughs> right. I slept <laughs> so hard on this. I think one of the first videos I put up ended up getting like 12 or 13,000 views. And you know how hard that is to like do on YouTube and like even on Instagram to get those kinds of numbers. And this was like 5,000 views in like minutes. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, uh, it's, just... it's crazy. And like, yeah, the, just the exposure because it's so easy to watch. Like you just go next, next, and they all get stuck mm -hmm. in like hours of TikTok. Like it's not good for you. Like let's no. be clear. But yeah, if you're gonna watch something, at least watch our stuff. Right, and the and the conversion of fans on TikTok I have noticed is way better than like on Twitter or Instagram. Like if someone likes my stuff enough on TikTok, they'll like watch all my TikTok videos and then I'll see them follow me on Instagram or on Twitter. And then I'll see like a Bandcamp notification that they bought my album or like all of a sudden, like they're, my streaming numbers in a certain area of the world are increasing. And I'm like, oh, this like conversion is real. Whereas like when you spend money on advertising, 
you don't know if it's just like views or like if what the actual conversion of a of a fan is to your music right because that's what matters for us is like the numbers are all interesting and cool but does it actually convert into someone being a long-term fan is what really matters to me yeah i guess it's it's weird because as much as you and i are in the same industry like what we actually aim to do is different like Mm-hmm. My, my whole thing is like just listeners that's it that's everything Everything right. podcast is all about listeners and then from there podcasts usually jump off into do they sell a service or, or a product or whatever it is and they kind of right whereas like for you you're obviously selling you know tours you're selling albums and all that kind of stuff so it's more than just listenership it's like you actually got to have the investment into your career yeah yeah and 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 I mean, like you, there is a whole bunch of different avenues in which like, if you want to support all the avenues like merch or tour or listening, then that's cool. That's like the best possible scenario. But if you just want to support like one avenue, like if you just want to be a listener and you're not going to buy my merch or my show, like that's fine too. I need all those avenues covered, right? But the like super fans, we call them, are the ones that will like ideally find you on a platform like TikTok they'll be converted over to all your socials. They'll buy your albums. They come to see you when they're, when you're in their city, they buy your merch. Like that's a hyper supportive fan. And, and, and you can't expect all of your fans to, to cover all of those avenues. Those, those people are quite special. They've connected to you in a way that like not everybody can, you know? Yeah. And they message you whenever you drop something, they're like, you know, they're like on top of it. They almost know you better than you know yourself. Right. It's like, it's a little scary, but it's also like really cool because those people to me have, have the information that I need in, into like how I'm really connecting with people. Because I think as an artist, you know, it's so easy to just be like, well, I make music and I put it out. And if people like it, they like it. And that's, I feel like every like artist's dream is just, just to play that role. But really like we're managers and we're advertisers and we're like designers. And like, we have to do all the things. Some of us are planning our own tours. And luckily I I have just gotten management in the last couple of years, but I, I, for almost a decade was doing all of that that by myself and that can be those super fans can provide insight into information that a lot of like research or like money spent can't do because they can tell you like what you stand for and like what what is actually like connecting to the audience or what type of sound they like the best and those fans are like very valuable just even in information to be honest I don't know how like I'm an overthinker. Like I'm thinking about Mm. everything all the time. So I don't know how you would like create a full tour. Like to me, I'd be like overthinking everything being like, all right, now I got to get audio. I got to get everybody ready. I got to get the fan experience, right. I got to get like, it would just drive me crazy. It, it, it absolutely does. And it takes so much work and I, it's really interesting because I don't think all artists these days, like especially with how accessible you can access music now, like all artists don't have to do that. Like some people just make music. I have a few friends that just make music. They put it on Spotify, they collect their royalty checks and they just live off of that. And they have no interest in touring or doing merch or any of that kind of stuff. It's just like people like my music. I put a lot of music out and, and that's how I make my money. And, and then there's that full round artist that is like really trying to do do all the things that you classically see as an artist like 
international touring and different merch and um, placements and like Nike and Adidas and commercials and scoring soundtracks and that kind of artist is like a, a full like whole artist as well. And that's like a billion different jobs. It's so frustrating, like just learning over the years, I was planning a tour for the sorority with my manager. I was helping him out because I had planned my own tours before. Um, and so we were just like thinking every single show, if you do 10 shows, let's say, which is a smaller tour, at every single avenue on, on the map, you have to have, yeah, someone who's running your sounds, someone who's going to run the merch table. Uh, you have to think about how much merch, how you're going to get there, what hotel you're staying at. Like if there's going to be things that people can eat, like dietary restrictions for your bands, like around. Um, and then that's just like the day of stuff. And then there's just like transportation and what are we playing and yeah, lighting and audio. It's just, it's a billion different jobs. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's weird because like, why don't you think like as much as other than the work, like why do you think those artists only are happy with Spotify? Like it seems to me like the the true artist is like an entrepreneur. They're always looking for the next way. How do I get more? Right. How do I challenge myself? But why do you think that artists just sit on online rather than actually going out face to face to fans? Yeah, I feel like that's a good question because I, I think I can really only boil it down to from the conversations I've had, because I'm not that artist. I want to do the full the full package art, artistry stuff. Um, but I think some people are like introverted or like just are don't care to take on that like fame role because it's funny, even in the small amount of numbers that I have, and like, I, I've done a great amount of things in my career, but like, I can still go to the grocery store, like as a normal human being, you know? Um, but I, I'm like already fearful of a time where like, I, I can't do that. Or like, you know, recently just being around in Toronto, when I leave my house, I have to like dress a certain way and like look a certain standard. Like I just can't go out bummy with sweatpants and stuff because I might see someone that runs into me and like, is looking at me like Lex Leos is the rapper and not Lex Leos is the human. And, and, and that I know some people are not interested in that lifestyle. And I had to kind of like do a big inner journey recently to like, think, is this what I want? Because it's tolling and taxing and these people don't really know you and, but they know tons about you. And especially when your music is like vulnerable and like mine is, is very like, that's who I am. Everything in those songs is like really who I am. So it, it allows people to think that they know a lot about you and that access to you doesn't stop on the track. Like if they see you, they feel entitled to your time in a moment, you know, and as you grow, that number of people gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I can understand why people don't want that life. Um, so I think that's probably the thing behind. And then also the, like the amount of touring and the merch and like the planning and all of that, it takes a real big toll physically, emotionally. Like if you have a partner or kids or like a family you want to spend a lot of time with, like that stuff is, is less and less possible when you start doing it all, you know? Yeah. I think you, you raise a couple of really good points and, and like, uh, cause I was just like, in my mindset, I'm like, how would I make the most impact as an artist? And to me, like shows mm. to me are like the holy grail because if you get right. someone to a show and you kill it, 
you convert them for life. They're like there and they're like, I had such a good time at a show. But that right. converse side of like, yeah, I start to become bigger. Um, people start to see more of me. Um, and you start do start to get that. Obviously, the fame is hard. Mm-hmm. Like, it it sounds really good. I think everybody who's not famous wants to be famous. And everybody yeah. who is famous kind of wishes they weren't that famous. Like, right. I'm, I'm in that camp. Like, I wish I was more famous. Like, I like attention. But I can imagine yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you spelt that, that scenario where people feel entitled to your time because they have listened to you and they hear you talk about your own personal stuff and they're like, oh, she gets me. Like, right. Lex, Lex gets me. I'm, I'm the same person. So why would I right. not go over because we're the same? And then you're like, like, I love that you love my music, but we've never met before. Like, I love that I impacted you, but I don't know who you are. Right. And that can be like a really like intense, scary experience. Like I get messages all the time from people who are like, like you've changed my life or like I have this connection to you because your song represented this moment in my life, which was a really intense life moment. And I think like just thinking about the artists that I love, like I like Lupe Fiasco represented my whole like teenage years. So if I met Lupe Fiasco, I already immediately have way more of a connection to him than he'll ever have to me. Maybe ever, even if we developed a relationship moving forward, it's like that those songs represented my whole childhood. Right. So they like, or like people will see you, this has happened to me. And this really freaks me out because I'm not like a very outwardly emotional person. Like people will come up to me crying and like that to me is like, I, my presence represented something so emotional for you that you you can't talk to me without crying is like, it's scary. <laughs> it's scary. It's like, I don't know who you are. It's also like, what are you supposed to do? Because you obviously yeah. are not on the same emotional wavelength. Like they've seen you. They obviously see you just around that and they see you and then they're like, they connect you to the song, then they connect the song to a moment or to a period in their life. And then they come up to you in this like really deep existential and you're just like living your life, going about it. Like you're not the artist at that point. Like you're just living you. Just me, right? And then especially like those moments usually happen, like those people usually have access to you after a show. So if you think about like, you've spent all day, you've perhaps flown into a city that you've never been to and or or are not there often. You've like spent your whole day doing sound check and, and meetings and like radio interviews. And then you go to your hotel, you maybe have two hours alone eat dinner then you go to the show and perform an hour to an hour and a half of like intense like giving all of your energy away and then you're at the merch table saying like thank you and like thanks for coming to everyone and then someone comes up to you and they're like I I uh, didn't commit suicide because of you and you're just like I don't even know where to begin like and I do a lot of artists say this like those are the moments like that I do this for and I have a little bit of a different opinion like I don't I'm not an artist for those moments I'm really glad that people can connect to my music and that's that's the goal is like I want to be able to speak for people who who don't want to say the things they want to say or and better yet empower the people to say that to to say it themselves so like when someone is able to like connect so much to those that music for me it's like i don't take that lightly like that's a very intense experience and if enough of those people are in the same room that's like it's all all your energy is drained 
like you, you, you leave that event being like, I don't have one. I have to do this again tomorrow. You know? Yeah. It's just so, so weird. Like, like music is almost uniquely this experience. Like movies can do it as well, but you can listen mm-hmm. to the same song thousands of times and not right. get sick of it. Whereas like, you, right. know, the, you can only watch a movie so many times throughout a year. Whereas like you can listen to the same song every day for the whole year for like five years straight and you'll never yeah. get sick of it because it represents something to you. So it's like, it just magnifies everything. But yeah, like yeah. it's it's so hard because in the fans eyes like you're everything to them and so everything in their life is built up to this moment of meeting you whereas on your side like you love that moment but at the same time you've actually had to curate all of this and this is one fan and every fan is important but it's one fan of many who feel an emotional connection so it's like hard to always be there and match their energy when they come up to you especially when you've seen faces like it's especially if you're like selling merch it's like a hundred faces and then there's one that's really emotional and you're like okay it's like a and there's like 15 people behind that really emotional person and you want to give them the time and energy to for them to have that moment with you because it's important and it's it matters and i i know we're talking about this in like a very like generalized like way but like those moments i like i am very compassionate like for those people and i'm very thankful for them because those are the people that i like are allow me to do what i do um but like then there's 15 people behind them waiting to meet you as well. And you're like rushing this moment with this person that might, they may never meet you again. And this is the only moment they get to tell you all these things. So it's like, I get on a full circle to that conversation is like, I get why people don't want to do that. And I also get why there are artists who become too big to do that. Like they, they don't go to the merch table afterwards or like they have other people who sound check for them and they just show up for the show and then they leave because doing that every single night for six months is impossible. You're like, you're not a human being anymore. You're just like, and you become desensitized to like who these people actually are that are listening to your music and like how much it really does mean to them because you just keep seeing the same scenario over and over again so I get why it's just easier to like make music in your bedroom and go to the grocery store and live your life and like I've had many times where I'm like maybe that's just the move but those like those moments do mean too much for me to ever do that and like touring is is so much fun and like to see even not even on a one-on-one level to see like a collective energy in the crowd, like to be able to move that many people at once. Like at the sorority was at one point we were playing for like 5,000 people who were just locked into us, you know, like that feeling is like, Oh yeah. Like we have something to say as these women. And like, here we are saying it and empowering other women in the audience to do the same. And that's why I do that. Those moments, like I don't want people to like, I want people to see themselves in me, but I want them to hear my music and see how much I, I like love myself and how much I'm standing for what I believe in that they want to do the same for themselves. You know, like I don't want people to match my energy. I want them to have their own energy. And if I empower them to do that, then that's my job. Yeah. I think it's, it's hard to see that online and it's hard. It's really like kind of, shows you when they're in person you can actually feel the crowd i was actually gonna ask because comedians say this all the time they're like if i know a set is good usually most crowds will have the same reactions to the same jokes like 
regardless of which crowd it is, whether it's big or small, I can generally tell this is a good joke because it's always having the same reaction. Do you have the same thing with sets? Yeah, I do. And I think like good, uh, there's another component that uh, that you have to think about as an artist is your live show, right? Because it's so different from your music online. And if you're a good musician or you're a good artist, it is a different experience. I don't want my fans to have the same experience they had while listening to the album. I don't want them to watch me rap my lyrics on stage and then leave. I want them to have a whole new experience, you know? So like, yeah, I, we, this as the sorority and me as myself, we plan a show. Like we, we have rehearsals and we have moments in the show where we do like skits and stops and things and pull people up from the audience. And like, those are our planned intentional moments. And, and of course there's always room for organic things to happen different crowd reactions. But like, for the most part, the show is the show. We do the same show every single night. And yeah, that it's, that's like very, very cool. I don't know a comedian said that, but it is. Yeah. Those reactions usually play off the same. Like, um, I'm just thinking right off the topic. We had this skit in the sorority where, um, there's a song that we had, uh, called on me where it was like about this guy that we were all seeing or wilding sorry we were all seeing and we started uh the set with a phone ringing and then we like picked up one of the girls picked up the phone and then we were all in the background being like don't talk to him and stuff like that and the audience ate that up in every single place you know and so you know it's like and they and they love the song even more because like they've heard the song on the album it's cool to see your favorite rappers or singers doing it live but it's so much cooler when it's a whole show like it's a whole experience you know yeah it's it's like like it's almost like when i'm at a show i'm like i i'm not sure if they plan that or that's like but but i know i like the the skeptic and the realist in me is like they definitely planned it but like the optimist is like Maybe they didn't plan that. Maybe that was all off the top. They just made it all up and it all organically came together. That's like the middle ground you always want to hit. Right. Then those are the best moments is like, and that's what I mean where they're like intentional, but organic is like, uh, you can intentionally plan to freestyle at a, at a part of the set and the freestyle is organic and it's different every time. And maybe you get words from the audience and then you freestyle in that portion of the show. So that portion of the show is different every time, but it's intentional because it's always at that point of the show. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the best moments where they're like, it leaves room for, for organic material, but it's intentionally placed in the show. So it's not just this random moment. Cause in those random moments, there's like, if you just decide to do something you've never done before, like there could be mic failures. Like you may need another piece of equipment. Your band doesn't know what the fuck you're doing. So like they stop over there, you know, it's like those moments can be messy and those don't always play well because in those messy moments, you can lose your audience. Even if it's just for a minute or two, you might have to spend half a song getting them back into the groove of the show because you just messed up the vibe with that messy moment, you know? Yeah, I think it's sometimes, it's like a balancing act between I'm just really feeling myself and also understanding the flow of your set that sometimes doing what you want kind of doesn't work because you've set it up in a particular way. Like you've if you've got a feeling and that's why I think like I always talk about album construction is really important and we used to review albums on this podcast. Like that's how it started. Me and my two friends would review albums. But one of my big critiques is like album construction and going from a cohesive song. Like if you've got a 
like a calm song followed by a really hard song where you just it's really loud it's really aggressive it like almost doesn't make sense and vice Mm. versa so you need to like blend it in so that when you're listening to it it makes sense to the listener instead of like oh okay I wasn't prepared for this right right and it's interesting too because like that like you said, that album construction translates into two different areas. One, what as a listening experience and in a single culture, I don't know that people are listening to albums like that, but I sure do. So like for me, it's really important. The flow of an album is super important because I want to be able to like enjoy it as a front to back experience. And in a live show, if you go from something super soft to something really hard without some kind of planned transition in between or something that makes it work, because there are ways to make that transition work. But, but like, if you, if it's not intentionally doing that, the other thing I don't like in shows is when people are like asking their DJ like what's next like what are we doing next that is a thing that you can do and you can make work there are ways to intentionally make that that I've done it before too where like we let the audience like the audience is full of super fans we've played the same city five times this year we let them decide what comes next but that was an intentional decision whereas like I've seen some like younger kids do this a lot where like they'll get up on stage and they'll like go behind the DJ table and they'll be like okay what's next and then like the the DJ and them are having this separate conversation about like what they're going to play next and then there's this moment where the audience isn't engaged at all and like that's when people decide like oh I'm going to go for a smoke now or like, that's when you like actually physically lose people because they're like, oh, I'm just going to take this moment to get a drink or whatever. And, and that can really mess up the flow of your show. Yeah. It's, it's so weird that some artists would want that. I remember seeing 50 cent live Oof. and he's the opposite. Like he's mm-hmm. the absolute opposite. He has planned his show to the finest detail. And I remember like, it's so planned. Like he won't go, there's, it goes to a particular verse and that's it. And if it goes longer, he loses his shit. It's like so meticulously planned. (laughs) I love that. Like, because that's what happened. There was a track and it went like a second too long. No one noticed except for him. And he had a go at the DJ and he was like, what the fuck are you doing? He was literally like, do you not know like and you can tell he's just like a perfectionist and he's right got everything that he wants and that's what he expects every show so when it goes and he's not ready to do the verse he's like he's like you set me up for failure what are you doing but no but if he hadn't mentioned it i would never have known and that's those other moments too where i think like a really good performer allows for those mistakes to happen and and doesn't let the audience know like it's same with like a theater play you know like if an actor says the wrong line but they get the gist of what of what's supposed to come out like I'm not gonna know in the audience watching the play like okay like he tells the woman like I'm going to the store instead of like me and you should go to the store like it's just like it's a different thing but it doesn't doesn't make a difference to me the audience i think a good performer can take those moments and make them into something really special like we've had like audio failures or like um you know uh, all of a sudden you can't hear yourself in the monitor so you just i just jump into the crowd like if i can't hear myself on the monitors i might as well be in the crowd yeah. you know <laughs> like you know like if i'm if i'm not getting better sound on stage then i'll just be right in the middle you know and so those moments can be really cool organic moments that aren't intentionally planned that started off as like a failure kind of deal but but i find 
any kind of conflict and maybe this is just because like I don't like conflict and I'm a Libra <laughs> but uh I any kind of conflict between the band and the like center stage or like the people behind the stage and that person where like the audience can pick up on that I don't I don't love watching that happen when I'm in the audience because it just like it just feels like it feels like I'm uncomfortable because I'm watching a performer get uncomfortable and and like then it just I don't know it just throws the vibe off but I'm like have been to so many shows and I also am a performer. So I perhaps see things that other people might not. Yeah. I see. I think it's just like, I think maybe it depends on your level. Like 50 is at the level now where he's done so many, enough shows and there's been enough right. shitty shows in his career. And let me be very clear. I love 50 cent. He's the person oh, me who too. got me so much. So, so before anyone starts to think that this is dissing, like listen to all the podcasts and you'll see how much I actually love 50 cent. <laughs> but I think he's at that level where like he's had enough really good shows and he's obviously huge. Yeah. And now because of that, he expects perfection. That's right. more what it is rather than like, he, he's just now, this is what I want from my show. Right. And like, you can, yeah, at, the, at this point you're 50 cents. So like you're saying, it's like a whole new level. Like you can do whatever you want because everybody's going to come to see 50 cent no matter what. Whereas like where you're at my level, if you see me perform bad, that may, you may never listen to my music or come see me ever again. You know, like that could be make or break a fan for me is a bad show. Whereas 50 cent is a legend and he's, he'll, he will sell out venues forever, you know? Yeah. And it's cool because the reason I love him and we're, we're just transitioning into why I love 50 Cent. Yeah, honest, I love this. <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be a point where like 50 Cent is my dream guest, right? Because, and like, right. and what I hope he doesn't listen to all my podcasts. And it's weird to say for a podcast <laughs> to be like, don't listen to my podcast because it's going to be like, this guy is insane. And right. <laughs> what's the interview going to be like? It's just going to be me going, oh, I love this about you. And I'm like, but what I saw was like his show, his show persona, 50 Cent. Yeah. And I saw Curtis Jackson be like, this is what I expect. And it's like cool to me because like we were talking at the beginning of the show, you've got the performer, Lex Leosis, right. but you've also got the person who goes yeah. in and, and, you know, organizes all the admin who's like doing all that kind of stuff. And I feel like we almost forget that there is a real person. Right. And that's a big deal. Like th those moments are, I think as you get more famous, you people get further away from recognizing that there's a whole human being behind that 50 cent. And like, for me, my real name is also Lex Leosis. So it's like, there's no stage name. I'm also six foot two. I have hella tattoos. Like uh, there's no escaping me in public. You know? Oh yeah. You're not going to like hide. Like no, <laughs> no, 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 no. You could see I'm wearing colors like orange, you know? Like, it's like, you're going to see me from this 100 miles away sometimes. I actually watched your cypher with um with all the, the female crew, uh, the Canadian yeah. cypher. And I the, the best bit of that, other than uh, like take away the wrapping, is that you have to change the, the mic the adjustment. And, and like, and even still, like, you're like, this is taking too long. So I can see you yeah. like crouching down because otherwise it's like way too long. Yeah. Like it was just, it took, it was so funny. I was so nervous that day too. And, and we had never all, like we had never met each other before. So that was like a really big deal. And, um, and I just remember we did a couple like 
run-throughs of how it was going to go. So like by the time we got to that run-through, I I like knew how, how to adjust the mic, obviously, but it was taking so long in that take. And yeah, so I just crouched over, but it's interesting, even a moment like that, when I was crouching over, I couldn't get my proper breath control. And that's why you can hear my breath so much in that cipher. And that was also the moment where I realized that I, my breath control needed to be a lot better. But like just a moment like that, which seems so like fun and innocent can ruin a whole thing. You know, like that, that is not how I rap now. And I would never, rap, I would, I would literally stop the show or stop the thing to get my mic to the right height now because I can't rap without my airways. <laughs> Clearly, yeah, you know? oh, it's, it's so weird, like, all these things you never think about, like a fan would never think about that because no. like, you're just like, Oh, that's a funny moment, but they're not going to be like, Oh, this has impacted breath control to the extent where it's not as good as Lex would like it to be. Right. And that's like, and, and the fans pay the, the fans pay to not have to worry about those moments. Right. Like they just come to see the show. Like I don't want to go to again, like a theater show and like worry about the person pulling the curtains, you know, like, like I, I'm just here. I've paid for this opportunity and this experience and all these people are getting paid to work really hard to do that. So it's like, I don't expect my fans to, to know those things or know those moments, but on the performer side, there's so many little things like how close to the mic are you? And sometimes like for certain parts of the song, you have to be closer and some you have to be further away. And like, there's a whole literal like MC microphone controller. Like there's a whole art to that, you know? And then there's a whole like, like where the lighting is and the person who's running the lights, like we might spend an hour with them before the venue even opens, just getting the timing of the lights correct, you know? Um, and the blocking, so there's like, for, cause obviously and, yeah. the blocking, so like for, for people who don't know the blocking, the blocking is like, where do you position yourself at any point with the other artists? Because you can't yeah. all sit in one corner. You've got to spread the stage. You've got to make, you've got to have enough room for you all to do your thing. So that is really important. Where do I right. stand in this song? And where do you stand? And when you come your verse, how do, how do you come to the front and all that kind of stuff? Or do you start right. on the left-hand side, whatever it is? And there was so, the funny thing with the sorority is there's, so many different height discrepancies like we are such different size people and so that was like pretty comical at first because it was awkward trying to like figure out yeah where to go and then finally we settled on having choreography which really helped blocking and and making it like where we're all going to stand but one of the things that I used to always do and now it's become kind of like a Lex Leos's thing that everyone jokes about is like I will go to the front of the stage and crouch like uh but I started doing that so I could see Havaya and Keisha behind me <laughs> like that was a whole thing because when I do this I can't see them so like I I'm 6'2 I think like Ke Havaya's the shortest and Keisha's like somewhere in between us but both of them are under five like eight I think so so it's like there's a big height discrepancy so sometimes like they'll be coming up behind me to rap with me and I'm gonna be throwing my <laughs> arms back or something you know so like, like crouching down in the front was a way that I got over that but now it's like a thing where like there was a part of the song in, in SRTY um, where like I started rapping and I just slowly start getting lower and lower, but it was because in the middle of the verse, there's this big jumping part and we all jump, but I need to be able to see them before I could jump. So like just things like that, you know? Yeah. All things that I would have literally never thought 
of worrying right. about. And like, I like to think of myself as a super fan. Like I love hip hop. Right. And so mm-hmm. like, I like breath control and I like the length of a verse and I like nerding out on those things, but I would literally right. have never thought about how a height discrepancy means that you can't see them behind you. Like, it's just right. like all these details are like every time, like, God, your job is hard sometimes. And it's like similar details, I'm sure. Like I was thinking before we did this interview about like, like, like quite like questions to ask and the research on the artists and like where I would even begin with that kind of stuff where like, that's something that's unique to your job that not a lot of people know that like, they just think that you just come on and like, just make this all happen. Right. But there's all these things behind the scenes, like tech and promotion and research that go into your job that people don't know. Yeah. The the hard part about podcasting is everything other than doing the podcast. Like this is the easiest part of my job. <laughs> right. right? This is right. actually what, I, this is the easiest part because I'm naturally a good talker. Like I, I think I learned my skill of talking when I was in sales. So I used to do, I used to sell like credit cards, personal loans, all okay. that shit for the bank. So like, that's where you really learn to talk to people. That's where, like, I learned the importance of posture because, like, I was like, ah. if I'm selling and my posture is low, my voice doesn't sound as good, but also I'm not confident. So I need to have right. fix the posture. So it's like those things I learned because that's how I became a better salesperson. And everyone's going to be like, this, like, selling at a bank, like, do a more dodgy job. Like, I get it. I, I understand right. that part. Don't, you don't have to tell me about that. But, um, yeah, for, for this podcast, it's weird because I always had the plan of like not having a plan. Like the plan uh... is to just not to have, and I can always go back to standard questions. Like I've got those in my arsenal. It's not like I'll ever run out of questions, but it's like right. what I wanted and my vision was always for us to just be able to talk rather than for you to be like, all right, next question. And right. And that's why it's such a good, like, that's why your podcasts are so amazing. If I do say so myself oh, is because, you. uh, is because, uh, I hate interviews that are really standard questioning because they're awkward. And I just have it, it with a standard question comes a standard answer. And now it's just like this weird back and forth, but with what you're saying, like there's years and years of you being able to build these skills to be able to have a podcast like this that people don't recognize, you know, like you did, like you said, like a whole salesman, like that's a whole, I don't know how many years you did that, but that's a lot of training and time and, and trial and error to be able to run a show like this because you can vibe with every artist that comes on here. Yeah. Like I was a salesperson for just under two years and then, and like I teach salespeople as well. So I like teach them how to sell. But like, okay. so I stepped away from that side, but I can still, I still get the theory of selling and, and talking to people. Um, but, and people are like, when I tell them, like, I actually don't plan my interviews. Like, of course I do research. I listen to the music. Right. So I've got the knowledge, but of I don't course. plan it. They're like, don't you freak out? And, yeah. but I guess it's just a conversation. Like I'm just so used to talking to people and just listening. That's the hard part. Honestly, yeah. the true skill of what I do is not me talking. It's me listening. And that is right. the hardest part because all my questions are based on the answers you give me. So it's like that rolling effect. That's how it works. If you don't listen, it'll never work. 
Right, right. That receiving and like truly having like a, a conversation, you know, that the art of conversation is lost in a lot of people these days. <laughs> I would say just practice with like when you go out for coffee, like start a conversation with your barista mm. or like those are like the skill set you can build by just like practicing. You can do it if you want to. Like my skill set is not like your skill set, like rapping. I've tried to write, like I tried to yeah. write a rhyme for like the podcast and I was like, no, no, I can't. Do no, it. this is <laughs> yeah. not not within my like. I can't structure the bars, and I can't. But that's okay. Um, but talking right. not uniquely to me. It's not like I've got the greatest skill set. Like you can just work on. It. It's not that hard. Well, it's it's funny too, like that you bring that up because I feel like rapping is also a skill set that is not unique to me, like, or started to be unique to me, you know, like I didn't grow up in a musical family. Like I don't have, I don't have like literally zero people in my family. Like even if I'm going like the whole family tree, like not one of them has done music. Um, my parents both love music, which helps. So like we grew up listening to music a lot. Um, my dad loves like jazz and my mom actually was really big into hip hop when I was a kid, which was oh, really? really great. Yeah. But, um, but like more, so she was single, but she was single. My parents divorced when I was younger and my mom was like going on like dates and clubs and out to her friends so she this is when hip-hop like with 50 cent was actually my mom the first cd i had was get rich or die try my mom bought it for me and Man, that's um, my first cd too we might have to get you yes. so i can yeah, right. learn about <laughs> get rich or die trying as well right she would love that <laughs> but she heard uh she heard of him through the clubs like through the bar scene and and through like going out and and dating and and going out with her friends um so she had like the when hip hop, you know, like when all about the Benjamins and like Diddy and like, like that was the kind of like pop hip hop kind of style stuff she was listening to. And then I had a cousin who introduced me to a tribe called Quest when I was really young, when I was like six or seven. So there was a ton of listening to music, but no one made music growing up. But rapping was just one of those things where I felt inclined to it. Like I felt like I, I love, I'm in love with this. Like actually, obsessed is probably better when I was obsessed with it um and so I and not just the element of rapping like I was obsessed with all nine elements of the hip-hop culture like graffiti I used to dance um I just like would watch breakers on YouTube all day like just obsessed with the whole culture and um I knew that it's something I wanted to do, but it's like, like anything else is a skill that you have to flex. Like people listen to me now and they're like, wow, like you just got it. And it's like, yeah, I spent a decade doing this. You know, yeah. I've, I've been doing this for a long time. And still when I'm watching like playback footage of me, like on TikTok or on a show, I'm just like, there's so many areas that I'm like, I got to get better at this and this and this. You know? Yeah. It's like you're hypercritical, but I always say like the, the thing about hip hop and the true hip hop artists and to a certain extent, depending on how much you love the genre, you'll be able to pick mm -hmm. this up with who you'd listen to. But the, the true art actually involves so much study. Like you actually so much. have to go in and dissect. All right. How was this verse put together? How was this song put together? How does the flow match the beat? And if it does, how do I match my own beat and put right. that into practice? And if it doesn't, what flow would I have used instead with this? And it's just like, you get into this weird quagmire of like, you can listen to one song and you can yeah. dissect it for a month because it ta takes that much work. 
Yeah. And there's like, so there's, it's so technical, as you said, and there's so many different options, which is like one of the reasons that I loved being in the sorority was because we would all hear the same beat and we would all attack it differently. And that was so cool to me because you can hear that like, you know, sometimes we all rap on the same remix or the same thing, but that person, like, let's say it's a 50 cent remix that we're all jumping on. Like 50 has the original like offering, you know? So like everyone is, is doing their own thing on that beat. But what happens a lot of times is like, at some point they'll, they'll move back into fifties flow or good rappers won't touch it at all. But, but like mid to beginner rappers will, will bite the flow or the feel or, or at least the inspiration to the like the hook if he's talking about like I don't know getting money then you're rapping about getting money right so there's things there that have already been offered to you but like when you're creating music with musicians where this piece of music has never been created before and just to see how people jump on that without any like we're gonna write about this or like there's no concept it's just like what immediately comes to mind it's uh, so different and like that is so cool to me it's like such a unique to every single rapper and like things like how their hands move is like a whole language you know and like just little things like that like I geek about and that's when I say like I'm obsessed with stuff is like I'll watch uh like Eric Badu and Jill Scott and like a 90s performance like a thousand times just to see like the moment they decided to jump in and the freestyle moment that was there and the harmonies they chose and like you can kind of see their minds working right um it's a it's so beautiful music uh in particular to me hip-hop is just so beautiful it's like it's like you have to train for every single moment it's like martial arts or something you know? yeah this oh there's just so much that nobody will ever think about and like mm-hmm. your ancestry is like european i'm eastern european so like You're right the hand movement as soon as you said hand movement like you can't see this but i always move my hands um that's like right. part of the way I, and i just everything you say is like hands and i'm just like part of it is like organically that is yeah i don't think about it but it gives it more, it's like more emotion, more expression. You get more when you move your hands and that is part of the hip hop vibe as well. Right. And it's also like, I'm Greek, so I can connect to that 100%. Like the Greeks use their hands, like the Italians too. And it's like (laughs) just constantly, you know? Um, But it's interesting because with each, like with each MC, they have like your own style. And then now there's a whole bunch of like, they call them biters who like, they'll just take someone else's style and they'll build on that um, or they'll completely copy it. But every MC of the current generation is influenced by someone before them, right? There are only true, there are only a few true originators of this culture, right? And then everything else has been expanded on. Um, but every every single rapper has a has an influence, right? So you can start to see when you really study MCs, the parts that they've been influenced by and then the parts that are truly theirs. Um, and you'll get that like in the comment section like if you read the comments on my TikToks, you already know who I listened to growing up because people can see it. You know, it's MC Light, Lupe Fiasco, Mac Miller. Like you can see that those are the people that they're drawing from because there are things that those people inspired in me. And then there are other things that are unique to me that I would say that like I switch my flow a lot. 
you know, and that's just because of the diversity of music I listened to growing up. Um, but it keeps it interesting for me. I don't like, I'm not one of those, I don't have enough swag to keep the same flow. And I really say that truly because I know a bunch of MCs that could do a 16 to 32 and not switch their flow at all. And they can carry the audience through the same flow because their, their words and their like swagger is so undeniable that you don't need the switch. I kind of like the switch though. I like, that's like a flex me for me because <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's like, oh, you think this song can work this way, but I'll show you work a different way. And I'll show you how right. I can make them work in, in like three different flows. And so when I'm hearing like a, a quite a steady pace and then they switch it up and they go really quick for like two bars or like, yeah. like just, just for like two lines. And then yeah. the back, it's like, that is sick Whoa. because you've built that in there. Like you've actually, those two were designed for you to just go hard and then you go back and you just show me how you can go in and out of a beat switch or like a flow right. switch. And like, that's cool to me. Like, I think artists should be working on that. Yeah. And I think everything with balance, right? Like there are some of our favorite like MCs in history, like are good at different things, you know, like you can always rely on Busta for flow switches and just like incredible in cadence and inflection, you know? Um, but like, I don't, people don't often put Busta in their top lyricists, you know, even though like his lyrics are potent, but like people know him for the flow. So like people grasp the different things, but I do feel like sometimes people lean too much on flow changes because they're not saying anything. So they, so they, uh, I see that all the time in the, and you're just like, I didn't get one word you said. Do you know what it is? It's the logic. I think logic almost started that he, cause he did it and everyone's like, holy shit, that's fire. So then everybody and like then followed by like joined Lucas and they right. started doing it. And then now everybody's like, oh, now I got to do that pacing and that cadence. But you're right. right. Like if you're not saying anything, it's, it makes it harder. It's not impressive. Yeah. And, it, and, and I think Logic and, and Joyner are, are both like really good at, at keeping those flows cool and saying things. And that's why they're who they are and why they're popular. Like, um, I, I just do think that you can lean on. And then on the opposite end, some people have no flow switches and they focus all on lyrics and nobody gets their lyrics because they're so, they're so like over your head. Like you're like, you're in your own like world and you have like a, you have a clique of cult fans who die, spend their time dissecting your lyrics on genius and stuff. And like that, like you can be any type of, type of MC you want and none of them are bad. And, and I'm not saying that any of these are bad things. They're just styles of rapping. But I do think that what sets people from being like great, like historically I'm a great MC is balance in those things. Like is you have, you have truly every mark of a great MC you have different flows, you have really great lyrics, you're an amazing live stage performer, um, you're really charismatic and have a personality. Like you need all those things to be a great MC, like a legendary MC, you know? Yeah, I think you're definitely right. You can't be one note. That's the challenge. No. And the yeah. other thing is like, you can't do the same thing on every single album. Like- No. And you might still have your same fans, but the thing is like, I personally, I'm like, I already heard this. Like, right. I liked it the first time, but I expect you to challenge yourself. Like, I expect you to, like, test yourself. Like, yeah, right. maybe I won't love every song, 
but at least I can be like, all right, you're trying to develop as an artist. But if you just right. every album, three albums in a row, I'm going to be like, why listen to the fourth? Because I'm already, I've already heard this all before. I know it's going to happen. Whether it's lyrically or whether it's, you know, the beats that you use or whether it's the flows that you use, you always got to be trying to get better. Right, right. And, and I think part of that, I've been having this conversation recently because I just finished up the EP that I'm going to be putting out. And then now we're moving into album mode. And, and I was telling the team that I'm working with that, like, I'm, I'm always working on music, and, but I need to live in between those projects. Be, like, there needs to be time and space for me to be a human being, or else I have nothing to talk about. And I will just be saying the same things as I said on the EP. And I don't want to do that. Like, I want to have new experiences and new relationships and, and new adventures so that, like, there are next things to say, because even if the style or the sound is similar to what I just did, there'll be new content lyrically, you know? Um, and I think when people don't have new things to say, sometimes they change the sound like, okay, this was more like, let's say trap. And now I'm going to make this more house, but like, it's going to be the same material. So they change their sound quite a bit, but I'm like in this new sound that I really love and I don't want to change the sound so much, which means I need to change what I'm going to say uh, and, and find, yeah, new ways to evolve. And I'm learning instruments and it's constantly about growth, but it's just, it's really about living. And I think sometimes for me, when artists get boring is when like, they're just famous where they live in a whole world that I can't relate to anymore, you know? Um, and I, I kind of am fearful of that moment myself, but like, you know, when you have this rapper who has been rapping about their come up, and the struggles that have come with their life and then they get famous and then they just can only rap about money and the things that they see on a day-to-day -day basis and you can't connect with that anymore that's like a hard moment where it's like it's not on the artist the artist is staying true to who they are and, and what life that they're living and that's great and some artists can do that really well like snoop or 50 you know who have adapted jay-z is probably the the most the one that i look at him like the most to be like wow he adapts with every album and like he can reference his past and experiences in the past, but like uh, 444 was an amazing album because it was true to his life, like what he was actually living. So there's like experiences that need to happen in between albums. And I think the single culture that we've started to develop where people just are constantly putting out music is, is, is not good for that because you're just saying the same things over and over trying to get a hit, but like, what are you doing in between those moments? Like you're not evolving. So you could hear nine or 10 or 15 records from somebody before they have a new life experience. And then, like you said, I'm not interested in hearing it anymore. Cause I think they're going to be like the last 15. Yeah. Well, I have so much to touch on there. There's like, yeah. <laughs> like I'll just throw in a, a, a quick four, four, four mention. Yeah. That the actual song four forty four is so mm -hmm. introspective and so honest and so real and that instrumental and the sample they use is and it just shows Beautiful. it just shows that even with his billion dollars even with the mega success he still has the ability to think about his actions his impact on the people yeah. in his life and that's where art really comes from he doesn't have to be struggling to have an impactful song like i listen to that and it's like right so sad like it it makes me tear up because i'm right. like i'm imagining the guilt that is feeling in that song for 
fatiguing right. and and for you know he talks about having to look at his kids and speak to his right, kids about father. it like, yeah and so you're like oh shit like they just got me so you're definitely right, right. you can still do that you just got to be willing and f- on that journey to find it and I think part Absolutely. of it is like for you I was going to ask how do you balance releasing music because there's definitely people I've spoken to and they release music in my opinion maybe too much they haven't mm. waited for a mixtape or an album to drop for them mm-hmm. to have enough reflection and for the fans to have their say before they write the next one. And it's like you're cutting yourself off at the knees. Yeah. And you're really doing that music injustice too, because you're not giving it like it's time to breathe. And like you said, connect to an audience or even promote it in a proper way. Cause proper promotion takes time. Um, and like, I spend so much time on, on my EPs and my work of art that like, there's no way that I'm going to release something immediately after to, to like, I just put my life into this project, you know, like I, I needs to sit and like flow in air and be out in the world before I'm ready to offer something new. But I think that, yeah, the biggest thing is I, I try to do a lot of self work in between my projects. And sometimes that doesn't take a long time. And sometimes it takes too long, you know, uh, like the time between mythologies and terracotta is like the standard like year which is, which is fine. Like that's kind of how people move is like one album or project a year, sometimes two. Um, but like the time between um, the Leosis EP, which is like a, a really deep cut and mythologies was like two and a half years. Like it was too long, but I was going through like a lot of personal stuff that was making me grow that I was really uncomfortable with. Like I was coming to terms with like my sexuality and having to come out to my parents and like new health issues. And the sorority comes in between that. And I'm figuring out how can I juggle this group with my solo career? And there's all these like really intense life moments. I'm broke. I'm working a nine to five. I'm just trying to survive. And so there's those moments that lead to mythologies which for me was a was a really intense project to make um because it took so long and it felt like it was never going to happen and it just like it was frustrating and once it was out it just felt like this breath of fresh air but I always say like in between each project I try and like level up like I can just imagine my little character trying to get to the next level like a Mario jump (laughs) because it's like there's things that I have to do like go to therapy and like try to date and like you know, like just other world things like that have nothing to do with my music or touring or like it just uh, really me as a human, like dissecting privilege and reading books and like that kind of shit, (laughs) you know, like shit that like is really like potent and takes time. And sometimes those moments are easy to process. Like, okay, like I, I can do that within the span of a year. And sometimes they don't, sometimes they take years and my fans don't get music in that time or they get a one, two single. Um, but recently because of that jump from the Leosis EP to mythologies, like I had so much growth that now I have so much to talk about. So like the time in between my music is shorter because I'm still not done talking about those new things. And as an adult, I'm getting better at balancing like that, that artist life balance. So like I can be doing things simultaneously now before it was like one or the other. And also that's survival. Like I don't have to work another job now. So my job is being an artist so I can dedicate 
time in my schedule to my life, time in my schedule to being an artist before it's like everyone gets one third of me, you know? Especially hip hop. Like it's a, it's generally mm-hmm. a young person's game. Like, right. so when people actually come up, you're actually quite young. You're not, a, you're almost not a real person because you right. haven't, you don't even know who you are yet. Like you, you spoke no. about like you were figuring yourself out, let alone putting out music and people yeah. looking up to you and you're like, I don't understand why you're looking to me because I do not have this worked out. Like, yeah, I'm like, crying in my room every all. day. Yeah, like-, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's almost, it's like this weird kind of uh, mode where you're like, I'm artist, but I still as a person have so much to, to figure out. But I was actually going to ask you, you, you mentioned your sexuality. How does that kind of impact your music and have you felt the, the connection with with fans through that and exploring that journey yeah well um so like before mythologies which came out march of 2020 which was like right at the pandemic uh like i i already knew i was bisexual and and that was like a whole thing that i was like coming to terms with myself and and what that really meant but i had already been dating women and dating men and I was fine with that for me. Um, And then I was writing music about it. Obviously that's on mythologies. And when mythologies was going to come out, I realized that I hadn't come out. And like, there's a lot of privilege in not having to come out too, like into thinking like, it's fine. Like I pay my own bills and I'm independent and, and like, no one is going to ask me if I don't need to, like, there's, there's a whole list of things that that come with those moments. But I realized like I had never had a conversation with either of my parents or any of my family. And like that no one, no one knew I was dating women. And like, that was also probably unfair to my partners because like, they're not some secret or hidden, you know, like, so there, there was this moment where it was like, Oh, like they're going to find out when the album comes out. So like, I need to have this moment with them. So I remember telling my mom and my brother and both of them were super supportive. I still haven't really had the conversation with my dad yet. Um, but that like, I'm really close to my mom and my brother. So that, that made a huge difference for me. Um, just knowing that I had their support and that like, I could be fully who I was, um, was beautiful. And then I think I just like in that moment, there were just so many things that I didn't think about, like being out meant I was like free, like that I could, there was this new thing in my music that I could talk about that like I had never been able to talk about before. And with that just came this newfound confidence that I didn't really know that I needed or that I didn't even have before. so I just started leaning into it. And now too, it's just like, there's all these stories from my past that I haven't been able to tell or that it's not like I was purposely trying to hide them, but like there was this like kind of deep seated shame that I wasn't facing that I didn't really know. Um, and, and it was mainly because I just didn't want to have the conversation with anyone because I was kind of afraid of like who was not going to support it, you know? Um, and I figured that like, I knew the main players, like my mom and my brother, were going to be fine. Um, but there are people that I told that were not fine with it and that I've lost in my life and and for the for the better, you know. But young Lex, I ran from conflict and I didn't like the idea of having to figure out who was bad in my life, you know. So that was a really big life change. But um, yeah, now I'm just like, there's so many new fans and so many existing fans, um, that are, that are queer and that 
are stoked that I've come out and kind of already knew before I said anything, some of them and like, which was crazy as well. Um, so like, there's just, there was just this moment where I think like, A, I've gotten some message that I've inspired people to do the same, which is really incredible. Again, let's like, I just want them to empower them to do what they need to do for their life, you know? Um, and two, there's again, all this new material that is part of me that, that I haven't touched and that my art has always been honest. I've always tried to make it as authentic as possible because as a white person in hip hop, like I'm very conscious of being a guest here in the space that I take up. And that like, I've always said to myself, if I'm going to be here and I'm going to touch a mic, it's going to be as honest as possible because that can only be my story. Right. And, but there's a whole part of me that I wasn't talking about. So there's still some things that are like lingering in that. And as I grow and start to like my next music is mad political, <laughs> you know, like, it's like now I, now I'm going to say things that, before I didn't have the confidence to say, and now I'm, I'm here, you know? Yeah. I think, I think it's a balancing act though. And uh, uh, part of my belief on it is just because you don't say it doesn't mean you're not honest. It just means that you're not right. ready to say it. So there's yes. a difference between it and not being honest to me is purely like you believe one thing, but you say another, that's the, yeah. The, that's yeah. The yeah. Thing. Yeah. So right. I like if, an, whenever, when you say things like that, I'm like, I feel like you're just being hard on yourself because that's that's like, true. <laughs> that's, that's just you being just not ready to share, and that's okay. Like I, I don't expect any artist to be like, I'm going to tell you everything that I feel about every single thing. And, and no, like, and to be honest, there are things that we don't share with our closest friends and family, let right. alone in the music and the art that we put out. So I right. feel like sometimes that's just like that's like the inner critic speaking where you're like, I haven't been a hundred, I haven't gone all the way and shared everything, but um, right. I think that's just and part I think of the journey. There was like a piece too that was like a little touchy and that was because I wasn't being honest with myself or like the people around me in my real life, you know? And I, so I think that's like where that like critical sense comes from because like, again, it wasn't a big deal. Like once I finally did it, I like was supported and loved and I'm glad I did it. And the people who left, I'm glad they're gone and, and that kind of stuff. But it was like one of those moments, like it was like joining TikTok, not to be like yeah. compared in this, like, that's like maybe not the best comparison, but it was just like, Oh, like once I did it, I was like, man, I should have done this way before, way before, you know? Um, so yeah, I like, I get you though. I'm definitely my, my own biggest critic. So there's that as I well. Think, I think we all are. I think yeah. most people are like dissecting everything that they do. Like I'll listen to this back and I'll be like, uh, you could have phrased that better or you stumbled right. here. Right, like, right. And obviously most people are like, well, that's how I know this isn't planned and you're not a robot. But I'm like, I, my ideal and the goal is like to never falter in what right. I say because right. and when you do that it's like it's perfect and perfect in the sense that I spoke well but maybe the questions aren't good maybe I didn't concentrate as well as I wanted to maybe I spoke too loud maybe I spoke too soft all these things that like people never think of maybe even the way I asked a question or like just the tonality that comes across like mm. these are all the things that they won't think about and I to be honest don't think about it because 
you're just going to jump into a, it's going to ruin the way you listen to podcasts because you're not going to be able to stop yourself from being like, <laughs> I would have asked that question a little bit differently there. I think I would right. have phrased that a little bit differently, but like, it's the same with you. I imagine like when you listen, you're like, you're so deep into it that it's like, I can't not notice all the minute details. Yeah. I especially, I try not to listen back to podcasts after I do them. Like I just, Smart I choice. have the, I, yeah. I only I do it ex- because I have to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's part of your job, right? The, I have like, I like with a podcast, I always think of it as an experience. And if the experience felt like good and comfortable and organic and safe, then, uh, then I share it and I tell everyone to listen to it. And um, if it felt like a little bit more structured or whatever, it's more of a like, thanks for having me, you know? Yeah, um, bye. But uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, this one's, this one's already so great, by the way. Um, but yeah, I think with show footage is probably where I can connect to that the most is watching back performances on stage. I'm like, you were yelling. Why were you yelling on stage? <laughs> Just little things that were like, when you're in the crowd, you're like, no, we were so hyped. You were yelling and jumping. And like, you watch the footage back and you're like, no, I was yelling and jumping, you know? You just, you that's just the- can't look anymore. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is that like those moments that sometimes we're critical of are the moments that people connect to the most. And it's like, so yeah, it's like, you think you did such an awkward, bad job, but like you adjusting the mic was really like funny and that cool moment in the cypher, but you're like looking at it like, oh my God, I wish you just fix the mic. Yeah, I just wish it was so smooth. Like it would have been so cool. Just boom, in, done, straight to it. Right. But like maybe for 20 people, that was the quirky moment in the cypher that they were like, oh, this is hilarious. I love that. I love this girl, you know? So like, that's the other thing too. I've, I've been practicing meditation recently in the last year, like through the pandemic and um, it's so many benefits, but like the one thing is just like trying to be in the present and like not stress so much about things that have already happened or things that might happen later and just as much as possible just connect to like the the current moment yeah i think that's a a good attitude to have unless you're obviously watching your video in the current moment and then you're right because that's a it's reliving it it's going yeah yeah and it's because i used to do like um in school i used to do like uh drama and like theater studies all that kind of stuff and like so i've always i've got that performance in me like i've always been right the creative like i like that stuff but the one thing I could never do is watch my performances back. Give me it's all just, the feedback in the world. Tell me yeah. how to improve. Don't make me watch it. Just tell me what right. to do and I'll do it. And I'm really good I, at that, but I don't want to watch myself at all. I know I'm the same way. And I do really lean on like my DJ and my manager, like post show to like, give me the thing. The other thing too, that I've like start, stop, try to stop doing is go into that like playback mode as soon as I'm done the show, because that's what I, I get off stage. I'd be like, this and this, and this went wrong. And I want to do this differently next time. And they'd be like, okay, well, it was good. So let's start there. I <laughs> like, had a great show. Yeah. You, you got to so, have the shit sandwich. It's like right. good shit. Good. You got to like give yourself right. some, some positivity there the as well. Moments. Yeah. And I have been trying to watch back my footage. I think actually I've been watching a lot of interviews with athletes recently. Um, I'm just like really inspired by people who are passionate about whatever I watch someone who's passionate about what they do. I'll doesn't matter what they do. I'll watch it. Like, I just love to hear people talk about what they're passionate about. And I've been watching athletes talking about 
how like important playback footage was to them because when you're in the moment, you can't always see like what needs to happen, but the more you actually can see yourself like doing it wrong, you can start to correct it in your mind to like do it right. And, and so the playback footage is important, but yeah, it's like a balance as we're saying, like you have to be like, I'm watching this to take the points that I need to take and not to like rip on myself and be super self-critical, but it's embarrassing. Sometimes you're just like, ah, oh, like, man, this is, this is what I did up there. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes it's even like, I couldn't, God damn, is that what I wore? Like, it's right. like, so it's like, God, my oh. hair looked like shit. I really You're needed preaching. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's was not even about show. the craft anymore. It's not even about right. the craft. It's uh, you're just like picking all these things. Oh man, I can, there's this one show that I wore these pants that didn't fit and I kept tugging them up, but they kept falling down. And there's just so many bad pictures from that show and they're all tagged on my Instagram. So and I'm like, I hate these pictures. You know? So I totally relate to that, but it's like, that's a moment that I can't unchange or undo. So it's like, I'm just, I'm just who I am. And the more I learn about myself and the more I go through these periods of growth and the older I get, and that's why I think like rap is a young man's game for sure. I should a young kid's game. Um, but, but like, I really respect the, the MCs who are closer to 30, 30 plus, because it's like, there's a wisdom that you just get with becoming older and like, also like, I don't really care about people's opinions anymore. And I wish I could have applied that earlier. And I feel like I still have learned it really young at 28. Like, but like, I don't, I used to be so upset at the YouTube comments and the Facebook comments. And like, I'd want to like, I'd want to like take everything someone said about me apart. And now I'm like, I don't care. Like uh, that video that went viral was me like on TikTok was me breaking down this, um, this rap as these guys were breaking down a shuffle tutorial. So it started off with me just rhyming like book, shook, look, and then adding words to it. And I just like, I eventually left the comments, but the comments were brutal. They were tearing me apart up in there. Like it was crazy. And like, obviously like out of the million people that saw it, maybe like a thousand went and looked at my other videos. Like none of those people know that I can actually rap, but it's like, so like, but what does that matter? Like none of those people matter to my life. So it's like, I'm starting to be able to separate criticism like and constructive criticism because before when you're a young kid, you're like, no, I should take every, I should take all the criticism as constructive criticism. But then when you're older, you realize like, no, it's not all constructive. No, it definitely isn't. And, no. <laughs> I, I, and like the, the thing is negative comments are actually good for you. Because in the algorithm, they're good. So, so good. like, so if that, uh, like, when when I found that out, I'm like, literally, if you want to leave negative, please go Do for it. it. As many please. as possible. Message me every day. Leave comments on yeah. all my shit. Tell me how bad it is. Like, yeah. honestly, have an auto, like an alarm clock every hour. Keep keep doing it on my stuff so right. that you know, more people see it. Just but turn it up. <laughs> but the other thing is like. It's it's so weird to me that you have the energy or these people have the energy to comment. I know. Like I I, know. I have I don't comment on stuff because like me neither. If I don't like it, I just move on. Even Why if I like I... it, I barely comment because I'm like 
you don't need my opinion. Like no, you are no. doing you, and like yes, it's nice, but like who has the time? <laughs> like I've got shit to do. I don't have time to be like good video, thumbs yeah. up. Because yeah. like you know what I mean. So part of it yeah. is like I just don't get that headspace where I need to comment on everything that I see. Right. And I think that's like a, a big reminder too, is that like one, I actually have it written in my room. So it's the first thing I see when I get up, but it's just like, don't take anything personal because like when you feel the need to like, even the good comments, don't take them too personal, you know, because it's just like, yeah, like some of the people on my TikTok videos are comparing me to people that I'm five to 10 years out from rapping. Like, you know, like that I need, like, I'm only halfway there. Like I'm not, I don't, I do not rap like J. Cole. Do not tell me I rap like J. Cole. Like I'm, I'm nowhere close to J. Cole level, you know? Um, so like, I can't take that personal. Like that's how those people feel just like same with the negatives. It's just like, I, I can't take that to heart. And I think the people who have longevity in this industry are able to like not get too ego boosted and not get too down on themselves because they just know themselves really, really well. And that's what I'm trying to do now is like, I want to be a beast in writing and in different instruments and production. And I want to be like really disciplined in like meditation and self-work and self-love so that like, it doesn't really matter what's going on around me, you know? And I think that attitude will will drive that growth. I think that's the important mm-hmm. part is to to have that desire and to be like, I can see the goal and these yeah. are the steps that I need to start to take. This is where I need to get better at and it's get better. And this is probably the hard part for a lot of people is understanding what self-evaluation looks like and being honest, mm-hmm. but not being mm-hmm. self-critical and not being beat in. And so that obviously takes time and, like, as you said, getting closer to 30 and you grow and you learn and you understand who you are and you can realistically be like, okay, these are my general weaknesses. How can I yeah. those while also working on my strengths at the same time? And that is the true test. And that is the true challenge of an artist not to be like, all of this sucked or all of this is fantastic. Like you don't want to ever mm-hmm. be delusional either way you go. Right. 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 And it's just, yeah, I think, the one thing like that, if I were to pass on to everyone and, and I do tell the, the young MCs that I, I run like a workshop, I always tell them that consistency is king. So it's like, if you, if you can just like stick in every single day, like the things that you want to do, even if you just barely touch it, like I say that to everyone, like just touch it. Even if it's just for five minutes, if you want to learn piano, just play for five minutes every day. Like some days you'll play for two hours and some days you'll barely touch the five, you know, but if you can just like consistently be like, this is important to me and I want to learn this. And Obviously those things change, that list change, the things uh, on the level of importance move around as you get good at things, you don't need to practice as much. Um, But like, I even think I was watching like Kobe interviews. That was like the big thing that has been inspiring recently. And like, like he was just always working on, on, on him and his skill, you know, and there was never a moment, like he obviously knew he was a brilliant player but there was never a moment where he stopped working towards his goal. And I think there's a lot to say in that and in any industry or in anything that you want to do that, if you can just touch it every day, there's a level of consistency and dedication to it. I really truly believe that the universe rewards that behavior. 
Cause you're consciously saying every day, I want this for my life. I want this for me. I'm willing to work for it. Yeah. It's that 1% better. That's what it is. It's yeah. like 1% every day, just like a little improvement. And then over time, that 1%, it's like compound interest. Look at me right. tying right back to Ooh, my banking. Look at that. Let's go. I, yeah, I planned. I, that's all planned. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I just learned about that. So I'm like, I need to get on this compound interest stuff. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast. That's, yeah, that's a different one. That's how like understanding <laughs> yeah. banks work. Uh, we could have yeah. a whole podcast on like how credit cards like I would listen to it. I would listen to it. Honestly, my belief is I could sell a credit card to anybody because I love credit cards. Like I personally love them. So don't no one's please don't be like Aaron never uses credit cards, but he can sell them. <laughs> like so don't right. get it twisted. I love credit cards and I understand yeah. that they can be bad. But I think if But you, you know how they work, that's why. Yeah, that's why. I, I know the ins and outs and I could I could teach people how to use them, but like, anyway, that's a different podcast. That's like, that's a whole, that's, that's, a, a, new that's a different one. Coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to be honest, I'm not selling any more credit cards because I'm not earning commission. So if okay, you don't pay so the commission, gonna, I'm not selling. That's, that's not, the rule. You got to so. give Aaron the money up front. That's right. I'll, I'll take I love it. Yeah. But yeah, no, thanks. I won't go back to, to that <laughs> again, but but yeah, it's just that 1% extra every day. It's that like, mm-hmm. you know, and that 1% over time every day is so big. Like it is insanely huge. So it's, it's the, it's literally the difference between like a goal and, 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 and not reaching it. And I think that like instant gratification, like is a really big deal right now for our, like, I think that is one of the biggest downfalls to like where we're at right now is this like mode of instant gratification and like everything around us is is teaching us and informing us to think and feel that way when you get that like even even I was talking about that in the dating world like with the tinder and the bumble and stuff like that is all instant gratification stuff like I need love and here's a compliment from a stranger like boom together instant gratification you know it's in everything in in social media and starting into the way we shop now and everything like that but music too with the single culture it's deep but that dedication and that discipline it goes back in every culture thousands and thousands of years that consistency that discipline that dedi- that dedication that's like that is always a guaranteed i tell all my students that is if you work at something every day it's guaranteed there's no time guarantees but there's guarantee you will reach that goal because it's like you just can't be consistency and if anything now's the best time for that consistency like yes. think about the ease of access with technology like if you are consistent your social medias will start to build like it's just Crazy. every day like i yeah. made when i started this podcast i would post every day for and and and, and i can, do like whatever it is it doesn't a, matter what it yeah. now now i'm like now it's starting to pick up like i can see the difference between day 1 and I recently right. got asked, like, how do you get guests? Like, how do you, why do people say yes? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I will tell you from, from my perspective, it's because you have a great show. Because I listen to your show. I don't say yes to things unless I, like, know that, it, like, I'm going to always try and have a good experience with what I do. Like, I don't say yes just for an op, you know? Uh, but your show's great. And you can see that the work that you've put in. And, like, also, it's just, like, you can see the like love and attention that you put into the details of the show. 
Well, I appreciate it. I really do. Cause like, it's, it's just weird. Like, and again, this goes back to the advice I was giving you. Like I'm self-critical. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, so I'm like, I don't know. Like, and, and yeah. <laughs> it's like still like, cause in my world, I'm like, who am I as an individual? I'm just like this guy in Australia who just happens <laughs> to love hip hop. Like, do I have yeah. any credibility in the industry? No. Can I rap? No. Can I write? No. I just happen to like it. And then like to talking to people and that's like, but, right. but it just shows like, it's enough. Like that's enough. Yeah. If, you, if you like it enough and if you want it enough and if you like are genuinely interested, you can literally do whatever you want to do. Right. And, and that, and that like love, I think people's intention is another really big deal too. Like intention is something that I've always been able to like see through is like, you can tell when people are just faking the funk, you know, it's like, if you don't actually love this, like what you're doing it for ulterior motives. And then it's just like, okay, I, now I know that he's doing this podcast for fame or for money. And, it, and it's funny when people say that stuff, because you like both of us know from putting all the work in, it's like, if you're doing it for those reasons, you're in the wrong industry. Yeah, yeah and also be, be an IG model or something. It's like, prepare, prepare for you to be poor for a long time. That's all, right. that's all I'm saying. It's like, you know, I don't have millions running into my account right now. Like I, it's not like no. I'm like podcaster for life, baby. Like, if, if you look at my if you look at my instagram like i'm building a studio that's costing me a lot of money like if, right. like i don't do it because like i'm making bank right now like hopefully no. i make bank that's the goal Later. at some point yeah but like you know the the actual investment and the time that you have to put in same as you as an artist like you don't see returns for, no. for a while like it's for not like time. it's like straight the rare people like Mac Miller, like we're not all Mac. Like you can't just release no. one album, then bang. Um, an Boom, it's up. But even with that, like there just comes so much work from behind the scenes. Like Mac was probably freestyling with his friends and making music before he made that album. And like, yeah, some of us have to work 10 years and maybe Mac had to work three or four, but like it's still work and it's not instant return. And even for the people that have those like, immediate first single hits there's so much work ahead you know it's like oh like if you if your goal was to make a milli and just get out of the industry which you we see that with like one hit wonders or one album wonders they just make their quick buck and then you never hear from them again like if that was your goal then that's great but people who want longevity and like respect and like historical moments with what they do is like that's takes it's it's your life's work it's like yeah it is your life's work you know yeah at some point you got to decide where do I want to get and right. what am I willing to do and it's actually interesting me and my brother had this discussion there's a swimmer and we've had the Australian national trials for the Olympics and someone that we used to swim with um didn't make it and so he oh. is, yeah rough but his turn 24 um, and the next Olympics, I'm assuming, is in three years because obviously this one was five years. So right. he's got to decide, do I commit another three years? So by that or time, not. he's 27. But the thing about swimming is he's training twice a day. The sessions are like three-hour sessions. You don't have yeah. the energy to go to uni. You don't have like relationships. You have to forego because I've got to be in bed by 9.30 because I've got to be yeah. up at five. So like, yeah, there's no drinking and partying. There's none of that. Yeah. And so the, the thing we were discussing was, is it worth it? And maybe for me and my brother, it's not worth it. And maybe for him it is. And like, it's just like, 
what are you willing to sacrifice to get to that point? And for him, the dream could be Olympics. Like that is the only thing he wants. And that is, is you willing to give up everything else for that? But if it's not, right. that's also okay. It's just knowing what's a priority. Right. And I tell that, I tell that to like so many people that I come across and students and stuff. And especially like, I always get DMS asking me like how to start and where to go and like all that kind of stuff. And, and I just say, yeah, like the first thing is intention. It's like, what, what, it, what do you want truly? Like, do you want to be the artist to come full circle that is in, is in the house making music and just putting it on Spotify? Or do you want to have the full career? Do you want to be the greatest MC in the world? You know, like what, what is the intention behind your thing? And like, there's no correct answer. There's only what, what do you want? You know, and that's a lot of, a lot of people aren't able to answer those questions because they're not doing the self-work and like they, they, their dreams and their goals are reflections of other people and what they want from that person. And that's like a whole other deep conversation, but yeah. Uh, and it's, like the it's pressure true. from others, like people say, no, you should do this. One of my other friends, actually, he put a deposit on an apartment that he yeah. didn't really want to buy because the person he looked at the house with was, was putting pressure on him. And I was, and he, uh, he got the deposit back. Like he backed out, but, yeah. but I said to him, like, you need to stop going to see in these apartments with him. Like, yeah, you can't be putting an offer in for a place you don't really want. Like, you don't really want. Down. It's the same with like your career and you shouldn't be making mm-hmm. moves that you don't particularly want to make just because people tell you that's the right move to make. You need to follow your instinct at some point. Right. And people will offer unsolicited opinions all the time, all the time, especially when you start to get like a little buzz. Like right now, like there's a uh, hundred plus DMs of unsolicited opinions in my Instagram. Like there's just so many people who think they know exactly what's right for you. And like, if you can take all of those opinions in and decide like what, like some of them are good and some of them are useful and some of them are complete shit and I don't need any of them, but it's like, if you can hear all of those opinions, the core needs to be like who you are and like what you stand for and your motives. And sometimes I'm even having arguments with my managers and people who I'm really close where it's just like, listen, like, I understand that this is worth the money, but it's not who I am. And I don't want to do it, you know? And like, there's, there's those conversations, but if you're not a strong individual, then you just, you just get lapped up into everyone else's plans for you. And every manager, they all they have an interest in seeing you make commercial success. And that's, I'm not to. saying that's their job. Uh, yeah. That's and, their job. Yeah. And, 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 oh, and you can turn around and go, not my manager. To be honest, every manager, every because, manager, because that is their role. Like you got to understand their perspective before right. you understand their advice. So, like when people right. give me advice, I'm like, well, I kind of know where your life is at, or I know where you're coming from, but that's not the aspect that I want to be listening to. So, understanding right. context is so important. Like it may sound good, but where is it coming from? Yeah. And just like, and being able to, yeah, like every, every, when those opportunities are presented, it's like, yeah, I understand why you want this. Cause it's a great look, but like in the long run, like what I want is longevity in my, in my career as an MC. That's like Alex Leosis goal is like, I want to be respected and I want to contribute to hip hop for my whole life. So it's like, is $20,000 in a major opportunity for something that's going to derail that uh, worth it? Uh, no, but like, 
that 20 grand to my manager represents me not having to get another job when this pandemic is over. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's like, there's so many different like playing fields to it, but it's just like, you need to know who you are to make those decisions and have respectful conversations. Cause obviously like I respect my manager and his opinion and everything he tells me, I, I take it in, really think about it, you know? And, and just like him, if I say no, he's not being like pushing me on it. And like, he understands that I've really thought about it and it comes from a place where like, I really mean it, you know? Definitely. And also like, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in if someone's willing to pay you 20 G's for something, someone else is also willing to pay you. So, right. so like, 40 probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> know, yeah. know your worth. That's what I'm like with like, and I'm just talking about my, my normal, like quote unquote normal career. Like I'm a big believer in that. Like right. if I feel like I can, I'm worth more, I'll go get it. And, and yeah. that is what you should be like that. Like don't feel tied down because you owe people something. You don't owe anyone anything re- realistically. Like you right. owe yourself Nothing. to do the best thing for you. And yeah. I'd say that in not an asshole way, but in like, you you don't want to look back on your life and feel with regret that you should have left no. earlier. I should have taken an opportunity. And that is where it all comes from. And that's, I guess, where you come from as well. Right, right. And yeah, my thing is always like, once I knew that I had the power that like, if I wanted to quit music tomorrow, I could like, like I, people would be upset and I would be sad and maybe look back on this portion of my life and wish that it continued later on. But it's like, I have to make the choices that I need to make for myself with the information that I have now, you know? And so like, I always say that it's like, I hope that I'll be rapping forever. I hope that I'll be an MC forever. But if the love that I have for my craft ever falters, and like, and it's continuous and I don't love it the way that I do that. I would never continue to take up space here because like my, my love for hip hop is, is, is beyond me, you know, is like, I'm still here doing this because I'm truly in love with this culture and with the people that I know. And like with the, with the things I'm able to contribute. And if that love has ever goes away, then I wouldn't take up space here anymore. I would go do something that I, I truly love, you know? Um, I love that perspective. And to be honest, that leads perfectly into my last question. Ah, Look at that, okay. Look at that transition. Yeah, I know. It's almost like I've done this before or something I, like that. Yeah. might have done <laughs> it a couple of times. Just, just <laughs> one or two. I'm just still practicing. But um, this is the only question that I actually plan on the podcast. Um, okay. And I'm hoping you haven't heard this like from the other podcasts that you listen to. But if you had to recommend one album, doesn't have to be hip hop, that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of what would it be? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I should have known this was coming. <laughs> um, I would say Midnight Marauders by a Trap Called Quest. Tribe I Called think Quest. That's, yeah. I feel like if you, that's a classic hip hop album that if you haven't heard that front to back, then like, you're in for for an experience for a treat it is definitely an experience and i will say we actually reviewed that album on this podcast shameless plug why not yes do it if you think like for that's not my style that's that's not my style of hip-hop like that is not me neither so it's like it's definitely an album you should listen to but it's like super jokey super like innocent in a way and that's pure yeah that's what it is so like it's it's a good entry-level album, actually. That's yeah, probably what yeah. I would say. It's really good to just, like, 
get an understanding. But um, yeah, people love that album. That is a classic album, regardless of whether you like it or not. It's just, yeah, to me, it represents the like type of love that I was talking about before, like that, like pure, unfiltered, yeah, like comical, jokey, but like true talent and skill and like effortlessness you know, that, uh, that I really love about hip hop and that I always try and stay connected to that. I think when we're like young and we're, we're like starting to do the thing that we love or starting to figure out the things that we love, there's like a, there's an unfiltered uh, joy about it that I want to hold on to. And that's one of those, those albums. Again, it's a personal connection, but that makes me feel that joy. Definitely. So if you haven't listened to it, definitely listen to it and then check out our review of it. And then let me know if yes. you disagree or not ah, uh, that's, I love it that's when uh we were the, so this podcast used to be the slim fitty and biggie committee podcast uh and then <laughs> so and, and then it just became the hip-hop hustle but um just want to say thank you again uh lex leosis for coming on the show sharing your time um again please make sure follow on ig on tiktok leave as many comments as you can new single just came out wanted as well so um definitely be sure to check that out and when's your your album coming or when's the the new ep coming yeah so first of all thank you so much for having me i had like an absolute blast and uh you can check out it's called terracotta and it's going to be released july 9th july 9th so to be honest this is us that's very soon and this podcast like it's coming out live streaming but uh it'll drop officially on my channels probably after so it's already out now so this is me jumping in make sure you check it out don't forget um and and yeah definitely hit us up um let us know what you like what you love whatever you want just just keep messaging keep interacting um and we'll be happy yes thank you so much appreciate you thanks for listening to the show please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for all upcoming podcast news. Bye for now.